good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces. Today, today is March 22nd, and today we're going to be talking about part two of our series on the corrupt discourse. Our scripture reference today is going to be John 4, verses 1 through 9, and as usual, we'll have several other scriptures that we'll reference and read today, and we'll put those in the comments section. But Jim, talk to us about the corrupt discourse. Right. Our current event is the social media and the loss of meaningful or real conversation among people. And the Christian expectation is that real conversation is done in spirit and truth, as we will see with Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well in John 4. Randy's going to read the first nine verses to get us started in this conversation. John chapter 4 verses 1 through 9 says this, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Correct. As this conversation starts and as we comment on what is a real conversation, it's one in spirit and truth because this is the Christian expectation. We need to understand that uh, we're not dealing with small talk here that happens every day between people. Uh, it's not about the usual information seeking conversation where you have to find out from somebody what is this or that, depending. And not on the job talk and not casual. This is conversation that is in spirit and truth in the way in which this conversation with Jesus and the woman will unroll. It's more like Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. One of my favorite verses. By yes. Me. Or we could say, or the, the, as one woman sharpens another. It's applicable to, obviously, both men and women. Interesting, in the Hebrew, it's uh, uh, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the face, literally, of another. So conversation of the kind we're looking at is best had face-to-face. -face. These are the conversations Jesus had. Why is that important? Because the face conveys communication along with the words to give us a full context. I'm not saying you can't have conversation on an email or face-to-face, -face, whatever. But we're just saying, and we're going to have another podcast two or three times from now on the whole subject of face-to-face. -face. It's got to be in spirit and truth, and there is a a decision that will be rendered one way or the other out of such a conversation. We so, tend to shy away from a crucial conversation like that. We'd rather do it in text or email. And <laughs> yes, yeah. The face-to-face -face thing can be um, a little disconcerting and challenging, which is why we need to address it, and we will. So last podcast, when do we get real? When do we get honest in conversation? And we discussed that. When the occasion calls for it, we looked into that. And when the persons who are conversing have clearly reached that place in a conversation, hmm. that will be made evident. Uh, a person, of course, 
might receive or reject, depending, even in a real conversation involving spirit and truth. In John chapter 8, there's a very long conversation between Jesus and his enemies, and it ends with him making the statement that he is, before Abraham was, I am. Mm -hmm. Honest, real conversation, and they picked up stones to stone him. So not every, <laughs> if it's in spirit and truth, it will either give you finally on the one hand a great honest, you know, acceptance or it'll give you a great brutal rejection. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. Uh, yet readiness can be perceived. There's a um, great proverb in Proverbs 20, verse 5, and it so applies to this conversation in John 4. Proverbs 20, verse 5, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Mm. The woman at the well, the woman says the well is deep. Yeah. This is the symbolism of the conversation we have here in the fourth chapter of John. You know, it's interesting. Jesus takes this route through Samaria. Through Samaria. It, was, um, it was a route that some of the more um, legalistic people would have, would have avoided. Yes. Yet Jesus takes this route um, because he knew that along the way, yeah, this and was going to take place. Scripture says, um, but he must go. And in the Greek, that word there, it shows up another place in John, which means it's something of divine origin. Like Jesus must be crucified. He yeah. must be raised from the dead. He must go through Samaria. So behind a real conversation, no matter how it turns out, is God. And we should yeah. take comfort in that. And so here's a quote from David White. He is an Anglo-Irish poet, contemporary, not dead. Here's what he <laughs> says about conversation. A real conversation always contains an invitation. You're inviting another person to reveal himself or herself. And in the process, of course, wow. I might add, something of ourselves will be revealed. Let me give you an example. Last fall, we were at a Cracker Barrel waiting for our name to be called. It was a nice day sitting on the bench. Uh, my, my wife was out uh, in the area where they shop and she was shopping. I sat down and then another couple came in, early 60s, and sat down across from me. And you know how conversations start. Uh, hi, how's the weather? And yes, and uh, back in Ohio, it's, and I thought, oh, you're from Ohio, I'm from Ohio. So conversation continued. And then it got to the point where he told me why they were there. And I watched his face as he told me. He said um, a person in their family, dearly loved, had died. They were there to settle the estate. And he said, you know, pass on to the next generation. And he said, he said, I don't know what to do. We, we got this stuff. We got that stuff. And you could tell he was burdened. Mm -hmm. Now, normally, I would do something like this in a conversation to people I really know. But for some reason, I just thought, I got to say this. So I said, you know, 200 years from now, it won't matter. And he looked at me kind of with a sigh of relief. He says, yeah, yeah. And about that time, of course, their name was called, and that ended that conversation. Mm -hmm. But that, re that was a revelation of myself, because clearly I revealed myself about this, about some things I'm not very sentimental. Yeah. That's something that I told about myself and trying to give him a word of encouragement. And that's why it's a real conversation, because you will always reveal something about yourself as the other person does back and forth, especially when it's in spirit and truth. So we look at John 4. Now, a caveat, we're not Jesus, I know that. But the pattern of truth here <clears throat> that we see that develops between Jesus and this woman is a pattern that we can follow. Jesus had the fullness of the spirit without measure, says John, and he was the truth. 
but we also have the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and we also are people of truth. So we can follow in his steps and, as it were, follow the contours of this pattern conversation and learn much. Keep in mind, previously in John 3, Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus and was in the Spirit about the Spirit. And as far as we know, it never impacted Nicodemus at that point much at all. And the conversation concluded. We will see this is different, and that's why I'm using this one, because it's got all the great elements that we need to understand to have that kind of conversation. So, let's take a look at this. Jesus <clears throat> comes down there, and he asks, believe it or not, a provocative question. What was the provocative question? Uh, can I have a drink of water? Mm -hmm. It's provocative. Why is it provocative? Because what the woman says. Immediately she says, oh, how are you, a Jew, asking me, a woman <clears throat> and a Samaritan, for a drink of water? Provocative. Jesus knew it was provocative. Now, what is curious, and this is the nature of conversations when they start out, the woman, we could ask her, well, woman, since you're a Samaritan and a woman, and he's a Jew, why are you even bothering responding? Why don't you take your bucket and go home? Yeah. That doesn't happen. She is already engaged. The conversation is on. So let's take a look now at verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Right. So here Jesus begins to make the first attempt to say, you really need to get to know me. Mm -hmm. If you knew who I was, along with what I'm offering, you would ask for the kind of water I have. Now, she's heard this, and she is a woman who is, for her, for her culture, is forward. Mm -hmm. So let's look at how she responds, verses 11 and 12. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Yes. She is saying to him, if I knew who you were, who do you think you are? Mm -hmm. Who do you think you are? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're greater than Jacob. Yeah. And the belly said, oh, yeah, okay. I, I see where you're coming from. Absolutely. Okay. So it's a, she's revealing something about herself now. She's not going to be intimidated. Mm -hmm. She's going to continue this conversation, even though Jews and Samaritans, and especially a Jewish man and Samaritan woman, not supposed to have any kind of reaction with one another. She's a tough one. This one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. so. So Jesus responds in verses 13 and 14 as the conversation continues. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus says, okay, I, I understand. Here's how I'm who I think I am. Here's how I'm greater than Jacob. You know, I got supernatural water. It's not like the water in this well. It is supernatural, and it will spring up into a kind of life that you probably don't have and need to have. That's who I am. But she still doesn't know exactly who he is, but he is getting his way toward there. And so in verse 15, she says, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Okay. And... I don't think this is uh, an antagonistic conversation, so we needn't just think of the woman as being uh, particularly perverse. 
but it's a it's a it's a great way of saying put up or shut up. Mm-hmm. You got the water? All right, show me, show me. Yeah, let's have it. Let's, let's do it. it. You've come this far in a conversation. I want I want to see it. She was from Missouri. <laughs> the, show, the show me state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's in southern Samaria. Yeah. Uh, so Jesus in verse sixteen does this. So Jesus said to her, "Go call your husband and come here." Jesus changes the subject. And in any conversation of spirit truth, there'll be two things, as we'll see. The first is, subject will change. Now, why is this? He wants her, in the conversation, to reveal more about herself now. Mm-hmm. How is he going to do that? So he says, go bring your husband. Now, to get to the, the uh, point of this, look at her response in verse 17. 17. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Yes. Now, this is, this is a kind of a Freudian slip. On the one hand, it's true. She's trying to be misleading, and she doesn't realize she's not misleading. She is, in fact, telling the truth. And in any good conversation in spirit and truth, there will be these inadvertent revelations, things that sort of slip out, mm-hmm. which are part of the conversation but weren't meant to, but now they are part of the conversation. And how does Jesus respond to this? And it's marvelous. Look at what he says in 17b. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. It's like a threefold boom, boom, (laughs) boom. In our vernacular, Jesus is saying to her, in a good way, Woman, you nailed it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I would love to see Jesus' face when he's saying that. But whatever he is conveying by his face, it isn't utter condemnation because she continues, this is, this is, and this is so important, she will continue the conversation, even though Jesus has pointed out her moral failings. He's not talked down to her. He's not talked down to her, yeah. exactly. So a conversation in spirit and truth, and always remember when it's in spirit and truth, the third person in any conversation will be the Spirit of God, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. All right, now what happens now? Verse 19 and 20. Let's look. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So she changes the subject. Now it's interesting. She doesn't want, and understandably so, to talk about her personal social life, which is a mess. So, But clearly, she's not evading what she's trying to do is continue the conversation. And so she immediately said, oh, okay, well, how can I change this so he's, he knows about my life? He's a prophet. Okay, so oh, here's a, I'll see how smart he is. Here's a question. I'll stump him. The interesting thing is she is moved again to actually move the conversation forward to where Jesus wants it to go, <laughs> which is a conversation in spirit and truth. So what does Jesus do? Look at verse 21 through 24. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Okay. The amazing thing here is Jesus does not do this. 
He doesn't say to her, hold it. Let's go back and talk about your situation with your men and your life and who you're with now. He completely goes with the flow, the flow of the spirit. Because what she has brought up is actually far more important than her messy social life because this will be the answer to all of her problems that she's having and have had in her life. And it's linked, right, when these conversations follow that path. They're linked to the concerns in that person's life or what's caused them pause or making them want an answer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Here's a, uh, a quote from Churchill. He says, a fanatic is one who can't change his mind and won't change the subject. <laughs> so Jesus is not a fanatic. She changes the subject and he's fine with that. Goes with the flow. He goes with the flow. He doesn't say, "Oh, I got to get her back on the on the topic." No, if it's in spirit and truth, there will be a flow. You need to be open to that and to recognize it as it happens. And so, he's which is the opposite of what we do. We we tend to want to force the issue and stay on the issue. drive the point home. Right? Yes, and yes. Yeah. Uh, the pattern of truth we want is a all of sin. B believe on Jesus. C confess him, and you know you'll be yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. That's the pattern. Got to follow here. Believe, pr- repent, confess. Be you got to you got to do it this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but what we find in John's gospel is so liberating because it says. When you're involved in conversation, it's clear it's going to be spirit and truth. You just go with the conversation. Mm-hmm. You, you, well, no matter how it turns out, it will be somehow good to have had this uh, conversation. So he, he's pointed out her bad social situation with the men in her life. Now he points out her religion is one that's based on ignorance. And yet, at the same time, he gives her a real sense of hope. He says, God is seeking such people in spirit and truth to worship him. It's a way of also saying to her, are you that kind of a person? Are you seeking to worship God in spirit and truth in a way in which they're not doing it at Jerusalem and they're not doing it here? Mm. Are you open to that, woman at the well? All righty. So what are you seeking is basically the question, the question that he's asking, although he didn't ask it in a question form. So look at the woman's response in verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Yes. So, in other words, what we say now in our uh, cultural vernacular, she cuts to the chase. She says, okay, let's get right at it. Where are you on the Messiah thing? Mm -hmm. I want to know. So she is, in this sense, this is not to continue to change the subject, get it off her social life. She is now wanting to know. I mean, she's gotten to the point where, yeah, I do want to know something. Let's see if you know... The Messiah is going to tell us everything about ourselves, everything, you know, that uh, we need to know. And so how does Jesus respond to this? Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. That's right. So what he started off with, if you knew who you were talking to, conversations ends up with him getting to that point where he says, I am the one. And so that really literally ends the conversation in terms of what they're doing. And then the disciples come back, of course, at that point. And see that he's talking to a woman, and they don't want to say anything because they think it's highly irregular. And she, in turn, forgets her bucket and runs back uh, to the village. So <clears throat> now we want to see her response because this is important. Then we're going to end it with the road to Emmaus. And this is verses 27 through 29. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, why do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Yes. 
So let's just examine the statement. And there's so much here, we could go back and do another two, three podcasts. But let's just examine the statement. What does she mean when she says, here is a man who told me everything I ever did. He just told her one thing she did about her life with, with men. But she has concluded, he knows everything about my life. <laughs> How has this happened? Because the truth and the spirit has taken hold of her, and she gets it that this man is, in fact, Messiah. The way she phrases it, phrases it to the people, because she doesn't want to be too bold here, she says, could this be the Christ? In other words, it's an intriguing thing. And whatever her past reputation was in Samaria, this caught the attention of the people mm-hmm. because you know they come running back. So at this point, when he reveals who he is, she reflects in a, in a very few seconds upon everything that has happened and says, okay, man, this is extraordinary. It impacts her. This is, of course, in the spirit. This is, it goes beyond just mere words. She knows she's been searched by, by God. Now, there's a matter here. It's called reflection. And we see it in the Gospel of John many times. Many times, the disciples, you have these passages like in John 2, uh, and the disciples remember that he had said mm-hmm. in a conversation. Later, after the conversation is over, <clears throat> an event happens that causes them to remember part of that conversation. It may be the resurrection. It may be something else, but that expression. Then they remember that he had previously said, and you find that through the Gospel of John. Let's finish up with a great illustration of this in Luke 24. And I'm just going to paraphrase the first um, part of this. This is verses 13 through uh, 27. Is It's the day of resurrection. There are two disciples <clears throat> going on the road to Emmaus. And in my opinion, don't have time to go into it. It's a husband and a wife because they're moving to a, to a house, to a home, and to invite him in. So it mm-hmm. seems normal that this is a husband and a wife. And Cleopas is the name of the man. And again, if you get some other versions like the NET, New English Translation, that brings out some of the nuances. It's an animated conversation. They're having a debate. The word in the Greek actually means uh, a debate. They're having a debate. And Jesus all of a sudden appears to them, walking along beside them. But they don't know who he is. They are kept from seeing him because God waits for the right time to reveal certain things. Mm. And they've had conversations with Jesus. They know who he is. They're disciples of Jesus. And so he comes up to them. He says, what are you conversing about? What is this conversation you're having? So animated. And they stopped and they hang their heads and they look depressed. And the Cleopas, he says, um, he says, uh, have you been living under a rock? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. He says, you know, what, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. That's what things have been going on here. Um, a prophet, mighty in word and deed before God and all the people. And our chief priests, our leaders had him crucified. And um, we thought he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And it's been three days since all this happened. And now we've had these fantastic tales from some of our women who went to the tomb and said there was angels there. They said he's not there. You know, he's risen. And some of our people went back and checked it out. The tomb was empty, but they didn't see Jesus. And so this is what's, what's going on. Now, at this point, this is Jesus who likes to have an honest conversation. Verse 25, And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. So that's frank talk. Isn't it necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter to his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures the thing concerning himself. So they drew near the village to see which way they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. The Greek word is to pretend. You're, you're making it as if you're not going. He's not going to go in and spend the evening. He's moving on. In other words, it's a way of him saying, do you want to finish this conversation? Mm. All right. 
So what do they do? But they urged them strongly, say, oh, stay with us, for it's toward evening and the day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Some time passed, and they sit down finally to the table. He took the bread, Jesus does, breaks it, blesses it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Then look at this, verse 32, spirit and truth. <clears throat> On the road to Emmaus, he explained to them the truth. Listen to how they now react upon reflecting. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us, that's the spirit, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures, the truth. They reflected. They said, oh, I get it now. That's what was going on. Don't you remember? Our hearts were burning. Your heart, my heart was burning. The conversation has now concluded, and they understand it in spirit and in truth. So the conversation is real when it's in the spirit and in the truth. And that truth can be truth with a small t. Maybe you're just seeking out some kind of truth that the other person needs to know. But all truth is God's truth, and all truth is connected and eventually leads to him. Mm -hmm. And so if it's an honest, desired conversation, you'll want to continue it for the benefit of everyone. Now, next uh, podcast, we're going to answer the question, can you have a real conversation in spirit and truth with the people who want to cancel you from the culture? <laughs> so tune in for that. Don't um, unsubscribe between <laughs> now and then. <laughs> well, thanks, Jim. You've given us a lot to think about. And I'm sure that there are questions or comments about it. And we'd love to hear those questions and comments from you. So please send us your questions and comments to eventsandexpectations at gmail.com. That's the word events, the word and, and the word expectations at gmail.com. We will use your question or comment on air where possible, and we will always answer you. This has been Current Events and Christian Expectations. And until next time. Keep looking up.